Well, church family, I, coming out of Global Impact, I want you to know how my heart was truly encouraged to gather with all of you this past week to celebrate and share in the mission. And that was our theme, was sharing in the mission that we've been given by our God, by Jesus himself. I was truly encouraged, and I pray that you were too, as we had several opportunities to hear from our local ministry partners who came. We had at least seven or eight of them with us throughout the week, being able to connect with them to hear how God's working through them and how we can be more involved. So let me encourage you as we come getting closer and closer to 2022, be on the lookout for more opportunities to partner with our local ministry partners that you saw here this past week. Our guests who came from overseas, as well as our stateside partnership with Stephen Costello in Boston, grateful for the opportunities we had to hear from each of them and be encouraged and challenged throughout the week. Um, it was a joy being able to hear from them, but to also hear how lives are being transformed and churches are being started through our faithfulness and our giving to Lottie Moon and to the Annie Armstrong Christmas offering based on conversations with Stephen Castello. Lord, we also praise him for our time on Wednesday night as we gathered and we had a time of commitment from each of you, from us as a church family, being able to personally make a commitment of how the Lord is and the Holy Spirit's been speaking to each of us this past week. What a special time it was. And as well, closing that celebration service with the commissioning of David and Shannon Brown. And how the Holy Spirit's been working in their hearts over the last several years, but particularly over these last few months. And as they continue to prepare to faithfully serve the Lord in Moldova in the coming months. Church family, we have a great opportunity to join them and partner with them. David Platt recently stated, he made this statement here. He says, by God's grace, your church, our church, has a unique and significant part to play in seeing all the nations enjoy and exalt God. Do you believe that, church family? We, here at Meadowbrook, have a unique and significant part to play in seeing all the nations enjoy and exalt God. If you were here Wednesday night, our guest speaker said saved ones are sent ones. Locally and globally. Saved ones are sent ones. When I think of the mission task, a simple question comes to my mind. Why? Why should we as individuals, as a Christ follower or as a church family, why should we participate in this mission task? And there's many scriptures that we could go to. Many in the Old Testament that point to the nations and God's heart for the nations. But there's two or three verses of scripture I want to point to this morning as we continue our time. In the word revelation seven, nine, you heard over and over this past week. John, the apostle John on the Isle of Patmos had a vision. 
And this is the end vision of one day. He says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. A great multitude that no one can number. From every nation, every tribe, all peoples, in all languages. You know, church family, one day we will be able to participate in that. But we're not there yet. One day we will be there, gathered with the multitude from every people group that God has created on this earth. The reality is, is not everyone is given access to hear the gospel before their day, before they pass away. You know, it's God's desire in 2 Peter 3, 9. I'm reminded of what Peter writes for us in 2 Peter. He says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. It is God's desire that all come to a point of repentance. And it breaks God's heart that there's still millions, billions in the world who have still not heard that good news. Many of them don't even have access to the good news. Praise the Lord. God has given us the opportunity here in Birmingham to have access to this good news. To be able to respond in obedience and in faith. And to live out our faith each and every day as a Christ follower. So why should we share in this mission task? Why is it so necessary that the church, the body of Christ that God has, we say at Meadowbrook, God has gathered us together as a church family. Why? Because God has commanded it. God has commanded it. And there's a number of ways that you can participate in that task. But last week we heard from Jason, who was our guest speaker last week, who challenged us and encouraged us from Matthew 28 on the commands that we've been given. The command of going and making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. You know, church family, yeah, this command starts with where we are, where God has placed us. It starts here locally, right here in our own neighborhoods. And that's one of the reasons why we have this last year 
been praying for and going out and engaging our Meadowbrook community because we want to start where we are. God has placed us here and we want to start here praying for the families in our own neighborhood and looking for those opportunities and seeing where God is working around us and being prepared when those opportunities come. By God's grace, we have a unique and significant part to play in seeing all the nations enjoy and exalt God. This morning, I want to turn and and look at a passage of Scripture that some of you may have heard me teach before. Some of you, this may be the very first time. But it's a passage out of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 26 through 29. As we look at and as we remember these verses and what we see in Revelation 7, 9, and 10, and as we remember the second Peter passage on God's heart for uh, wanting all to come to repentance, I want us to look at this passage in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29, to help us identify maybe ways that we could take next steps to be involved in this mission task. How, answering the question, how do, I, how do I do that? For some of you, you may already be involved and you know how to do that on your own. And praise the Lord, continue to be faithful to that. But for some of us, we've not ever really looked and, and wrestled with, if I'm not understanding clearly what Scripture teaches on making disciples, I really don't know where to begin. So let's take a look at this passage where Jesus is teaching his disciples this morning. And let's break it down. And then I'm going to show you a picture and also challenge us at the end to spend some time in prayer. Asking the Holy Spirit to lead us. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 26 to 29. If you'll stand with me as we read God's word this morning. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how the earth produces by itself. First, the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come father thank you for this passage of scripture and where jesus is teaching a simple parable on how the kingdom of god will grow god open our hearts this morning to hear what you want us to hear from this passage may your name be glorified in jesus name amen You may be seated. In this passage here, we see that there are six key elements or things that are necessary in order for the kingdom of God to grow. As Jesus is teaching this parable to his audience, those disciples who are walking with him, we see six key elements that are necessary for the kingdom of God to grow. And Jesus uses a very similar, a very familiar occupation For those in his day, a farmer, a man who would go out and sow seed. And so he says, the kingdom of God is as if a man 
or a woman should scatter seed on the ground. He goes to bed, he sleeps night and day, and the seed begins to sprout and grow, but he knows not how. So then he says the earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle. Because the harvest has come. Let me pause here and say this is the exact same passage when I taught this to our Sunday school teachers back in the spring. That was also shared with Pastor Slavic in Moldova that began that process of us taking these last few steps over the last few months and how the Lord has really used this in their ministry and even preparing and calling David and Shannon to go and serve to continue the work that we began when we went in August. So this is that same passage that we taught to hear, you know what Jesus is saying, this is how the kingdom of God is going to grow in advance. The first thing we see there, as I said, there's six key elements. First thing we see there is a man. A woman, which symbolizes you and me. So the, Jesus says here, the kingdom of God is as if a man would go out and scatter the seed. So the second thing is, is there's something that the man does is scatter that seed in a particular location, which is a field in the soil. So the first three things we see in this first part is a man goes out to scatter seed. And that seed is scattered in soil or on the ground. And after he scatters that seed, Scripture says that he sleeps and rises night and day. He goes to bed, he wakes up. He goes to bed, he wakes up. But the seed is sprouting and growing. But he doesn't know how. And so time is the next key part of this passage so we see the man or woman will go out to scatter the seed on the ground and time the seed begins to grow. Over time, the seed begins to grow. First the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. The process, the seasons. Sometimes we'll see, and I've taught this before, where it's the seasons that it takes. You know, when a farmer sows seed... Typically, that will be in the February, March. They're preparing their fields. They'll prepare it, and, and, and the seeds will be sown in early spring. And then, obviously, the harvest is not going to come the next day, right, after they sow the seed. It takes time. So the seasons, the time that it takes for the seed to grow will then take several months. And then, finally, what happens typically every fall? A harvest. You gather and you collect the harvest. Now... I did not grow up as a farmer, but I had the privilege of growing up or marrying my wife who grew up as a farmer's daughter. And so she has taught me so much about farming and farming life. But you sow the seed and over time it will grow and the harvest will come. Now. During that season, it may be a lot of hard work. It's not easy. But the joy will come when the harvest is there, right? 
that's when it's exciting and fun. When we think about this passage on a spiritual level and what Jesus is teaching us here, he says this is how the kingdom of God's going to grow. First, the man who represents us is sowing the seed, the seed representing what? Gospel, the good news. So as we walk with Christ, sowing that seed in places where there are lost people, whether that's locally around us in our own community, or in our own neighborhood, or here in Birmingham, or around the world in other places where there's no access to the good news. Over time, we'll see that process of how it grows, how the Lord is working to see that seed grow in someone's heart. And then, notice when the harvest comes, this man, he had the right tools. He had the sickle. Verse 29 says, when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. He had the right tools to help him gather the harvest. That's the fifth thing that's necessary. Church family, I want to help us make sure that we're using effective tools to see that harvest come here, around us. And then last, the sixth piece. Oftentimes it's overlooked, but I think you've heard me say this already, but who's bringing the growth? Is it the man? In his own ability? In his own strength? Is it him that's going to bed night and day and he's the one that's bringing the growth for this seed that's being sown, preparing for the harvest, right? No. Who's bringing the growth? God. And only God can be the one that's working in and through us and in people's hearts as the seed is sown. So these six key elements are what we see in this passage here. As Jesus is teaching those disciples, a man going out to sow seed in the field, in the soil. And over time, that seed begins to grow. And eventually the harvest is going to come because he's got the right tools necessary. And then ultimately it's God that's bringing the growth. Now, if I had my whiteboard here, I would draw what I just said to you in a different way. But I do have a picture for you to look at on the screen. This is someone else's drawing that's more of an electronic version. Um... But when you look at and you think about these principles that we see in Mark chapter 4, we take these principles, these six principles that we see, we can use these six principles and draw this picture here. Because the man and woman, every Christ follower, must first be abiding and walking in the Lord. The importance there is abiding. For some of you, you may not be able to take your next step in this journey because we need to really help you understand what does it mean to abide in Christ? How do you know how to do Do you know how to do that? 
If not, church family, please let me know. I would love to sit down with you and help you understand that importance of abiding in Christ and how it's necessary for every one of us to walk with the Spirit. Second thing you see there is engage. As we walk with Christ, being prepared to enter into the neighborhoods around us or going on short-term mission trips, going on longer-term opportunities, but it's serving in the mission both locally and globally. So as we walk and abide with Christ, being prepared to engage and share or here, sowing that seed is evangelizing and sowing the seed of the gospel. When I say we have tools, every one of these areas, there are tools available. If you don't know how to do something that's related to this picture here, if you've not heard me teach this before, please know that I would love to sit down and give you tools for every one of these areas, helping you know how to take that next step of faith and obedience for you as you walk with the Lord. But notice, as we abide in Christ and as we enter our empty fields around us to sow that seed, the timepiece that we see in this passage, the principle happens with the equipping, the growth of that seed that's sown. For someone who hears the gospel for the very first time, they're not going to believe right away. But are we aware, do we know how to discern if the Spirit's working when we do sow that seed? And if so, that's where we want to invest our time. Believing that God is working around us. And as we see that time, peace, and the discipleship aspect of equipping other believers, we want to make sure that every believer, every new believer knows how to get connected with a local body of believers. And the harvest represents that gathering together. The importance of gathering together with other believers. And that's the establishing piece or forming healthy churches. If there's areas in South Asia where we live for a number of years where there's no churches in particular communities, how do we encourage them to gather together and form and establish a local body of believers? And then the last piece there you see in the middle is in trust. As we faithfully take what we're learning from Jesus' ministry here, these principles, we're applying them into our own lives and we're obeying the tools. How are we making sure that we're passing that on to others? Entrusting this task to other believers. And seeing how leaders can be raised and developed along the way. So this picture here is a simple illustration of taking the principles that we see in Mark chapter 4. So that we can all identify possibly where are we, where are we strong or where are some areas that we need help in. And so today, church family, I want us to remember why we share in this mission task. Because one day we will see and be able to participate in God's end vision that we read in Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. We'll be able to gather together with a multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language. How do we, how, how do we walk faithfully identifying where we are in our journey and taking steps 
using the tools that are necessary, that are helpful to help us get to that next part in our journey. Because I, I, I truly believe if, as we're abiding in Christ, the Holy Spirit's going to lead us to engage. As we faithfully engage trusting the Holy Spirit, we're going to have opportunities to sow the seed. And as we sow the seed faithfully, we'll have opportunities to equip other believers. And as we do that, we'll be able to encourage establishing churches, healthy churches, our church becoming healthier and being a part of this mission that we've been given and then passing it on to others and trusting this task to others. So as you reflect on this picture today, can you identify where you currently are? Do you know what you're doing well? And where or what you need to do to obey in your journey. By God's grace, Meadowbrook, we have a unique and significant part to play in seeing all the nations enjoy and exalt God. If we're not living and dying to make disciples of all the nations, then we're disobeying the Great Commission and disregarding the goal of God to see His glory enjoyed and exalted among the nations. I want you to join me now as I spend a few minutes praying some specific prayers that from this past week I spent time with Stephen Crittenden, our former supervisor in South Asia. And South Asia leadership team for these next three years have developed a number of prayers for their work in South Asia. And I've adapted these a bit, but I would love for you to join me as I pray these over us here at Meadowbrook. Would you join me as we spend the next couple of minutes in prayer? Father, thank you for your word and thank you for Jesus' example of teaching his disciples and God, how he taught them faithfully, preparing them to commission them with the task to make disciples and be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And God, we have the opportunity to see that unfold in the book of Acts. Today, God, we pray that that same thing, Lord, you would allow us to see here in our neighborhood, in Birmingham, in Alabama, throughout this U.S., and throughout the world. May we get to see how you're working and how you desire to use us. And Father, we praise you, God, that one day multitudes from every tribe, nation, and language and people will worship at your throne. We praise you for that. And we also praise God and thank you for the privilege of joining you in your kingdom work to see that the lost and to reach the lost here in our own community and among all peoples. May we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Father, we also praise and thank you for the privilege of knowing you personally and the ability to abide in you and in your living word every day. Help us to do that. But we also plead with you, Holy Spirit, to continually remind each of us 
to abide in the living word day by day, moment by moment, so that, God, it becomes my custom and our custom to pray and meditate on the word all throughout the day. And we praise you as well, Father, for the privilege of prayer and for the amazing mystery of how you work through our prayers of intercession. May we be a church family who are known for being faithful to you in prayer. And, oh God, we praise you and we thank you that, God, you're not slow in keeping your promises, but you're patient, not wanting any to perish. Thank you for your mercy and your grace for the remaining people groups yet to be engaged and many who are still unreached. May many lives be transformed by the gospel because of our faithfulness here at Meadowbrook to join you where you are working in our own community and around the world. And Lord, we ask you, the Lord of the harvest, to send more laborers into the harvest fields around the world where there is still a great need. Use us, Father, Holy Spirit, use us to be a part of that task. As we each look at entering the harvest fields around us, Father, we also pray. We ask for your insight and discernment to know where to focus our time locally here in our own community and to remain in step with where you're working and where you're leading as Holy Spirit. We praise you and we thank you for the privilege of joining you in your work to see the nations are reached and for the privilege of sharing your story with our neighbors, our own community and those who have never heard the good news before. We also pray, Lord, you will give each of us a burden for the lost. Our lost family members, friends, neighbors, co-workers, those around us. And that you would regularly give us opportunities to share the gospel with them. And Father, we pray for the gospel that it falls on good soil around us here in our community as well as around the world, but, God, that it takes root and grows deep into every heart of every Christ follower that says they are a member here at Meadowbrook Baptist, and that it yields fruit in our lives and others who are yet to hear and believe. And, Father, I praise you for the gift of disciple-making and those who invested in discipling me over the years and invested in so many here as well. as well. We thank you. Holy Spirit, reveal to me one or two others that I can begin to invest in and encourage so that those who are searching or seeking to know the truth can know how to respond in faith and walk with you. And Lord, we praise you for the opportunity to walk alongside one another as a church family, encouraging one another to grow deeper in our relationship with Christ. We praise you for the way your kingdom is expanding through faithful witnesses. And last, we pray that you would raise up more, more out of our church family to be sent out to share in this mission task, to be fully committed to abide in him daily and to find genuine community with other believers here, both in small groups and collectively, corporately as a church family, but also to share in this mission task that we've been given. We praise you. God, use us for your glory. 
may we truly believe and live out believing God by God's grace, by your grace. God, you desire to use us. We have a unique and significant part to play in seeing all the nations enjoy and exalt God, exalt you. Thank you, Father, for this day and for all that you're continuing to do in us and through us. We pray now, Father, that you would direct our time of response to respond as your Holy Spirit leads. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.